Hi, Yin Young listeners. Uh, welcome back. Uh, it's been a minute. So yeah, we want to, before we start our episode, we want to give a shout out to Magic Mind. Uh, basically, I know a lot of our listeners, we uh, talk about self-improvement. And I know a lot of you listen in to hear maybe advice about, you know, how to be a better version of ourselves. And one thing I know Dan has tried is this productivity drink called Magic Mind. Uh, so yeah, tell me about a little bit about your experience. I know I, there's like honey in it, so it, you don't really get like a sugar crush, a uh, sugar crash. So I guess that, and the, it helps with the taste, right? Oh yeah, I actually like the taste. Um, it has a little bit of bitterness from the matcha, but I really like matcha and the honey adds a little sweetness. I have a sweet tooth, so it, it makes it go down pretty easily. <laughs> And I originally used it for one project that I had at work. And then I had a lot of web-based training that I had to do, a lot of compliance stuff. And I take that right after I have a, my cup of coffee. And it really make, keeps me alert and focused on what I have to remember for the assessments at the very end. So definitely wow. try Magic Mind. Awesome. Cool. And then for our young listeners, you all get a special discount. If you go to magicmind.co forward slash YNY and enter code YNY20 within 10 days of this podcast release, you can get up to 40% off a subscription. If you uh, miss that uh, time, uh, that 10 day window, don't worry, you can still get 20% off a one time purchase. All right. So thanks to Magic Mind for being our first sponsor and sponsoring this episode. And so remember, magicmind.co forward slash YNY and enter code YNY. Two zero and uh, info's in the description. But yeah, let's go ahead and go on to the episode. Yay! All right, welcome back, Ian and Young listeners, to uh, uh, Ian and Young the podcast. Uh, this is episode possibly I think should be sixty three if we're on schedule. Awesome. Yay. And we are here <laughs> joined with special guest, Sam, uh, Samantha or Sam, do you, prefer, you have Sam. a preference? Sam, Sam Sakamoto. Yeah. Sam Sakamoto. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So Sam and I met uh, in Japan, actually in Tokyo during quarantine uh, for a program. I guess we'll just to be safe, we'll, we'll, we'll say, we'll, we'll leave it nameless, but let's just say it's, it's an acronym, you know, one of those acronym <laughs> programs, like three letters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of those programs. One of those programs. You can probably figure it out if you look at, you Google it, but um, yeah, one of those programs where you come to, I guess, Japan and help teach English. And um, so I think it's, that's only part of it. I think it's loosely it's more of a cultural exchange, I think, is like the more of the, if you, if you look at the missions, more like a cultural exchange, help spread the joy of, or spread the love of Japan throughout the world. Like you go back to your home country, supposed to be like a Japanese file, I think is, is one of the aims. And also, <laughs> I, a cultural and, ambassador. And cultural ambassador, <laughs> and also share whatever, whatever share, uh, you know, your culture as well. Um, primarily, you know, uh, coming from, Western countries. So, although there are some uh, uh, teachers from Philippines as well that come. And, um, but anyways, right. so that's how, so we met in quarantine. I think we had like a, there was like a, a social hour or something that we, we met at. They had like, well, it was like social 15 minutes, like 
yeah because it's during covid right so we can't hang out more than 15 minutes we have to wear masks and um mm -hmm. yeah and they're like okay we'll let you hang out but only 15 minutes and make sure you you know you know hand sanitize and uh so we're, we're just like boom boom hi how's it going oh what's your instagram blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then we have to was that indoors our... was it indoors we have yeah. to do everything inside the hotel oh. you can't leave the hotel right oh. so one oh, good thing about oh, our right yeah in quarantine right so we're in quarantine right so the quarantine is basically um just quick stories like uh we have to quarantine for 14 days but during that time we can do like we have to do a bunch of training and then in the when they let us leave the rooms actually they it's not recommended but they say if you need to you can leave the room there's a laundry room and there was like a uh a top floor had like a convenience store that was open like two hours in the morning ish i think and then two hours at night or like an hour yeah and and there's the highlight of the day that's the highlight of the day yeah and there's a microwave <laughs> on the top floor yeah it almost yeah, sounds yeah, like right. prison that it's like <laughs> these small little hours that you're allowed to leave the room and see each other like just our social hour for 15 minutes and then you can have like this, this little commissary or not commissary right. but a convenience for like certain hours of the day was, was that how you felt it was for you sam yeah it was a little bit like that like i i really looked forward to using the microwave upstairs because that's how i met people that's how right, i met yeah. a few people from our program I was just standing by the microwave and be like oh like you know what's <laughs> happening um but yeah it was super weird um i feel like such a long time ago now honestly too right, yeah. there was also like a kind of like a i, want, I don't want to say a major earthquake but there was a, quite a big earthquake during this <laughs> <Yeah>. too <laughs> and it, on japan's scale it was described as a disaster event <laughs> so uh, that was a little frightening as well but yeah, are you no I, longer with the yeah. program, Sam? I'm not. So I only did one year. Oh. I actually, I actually broke contract. So <gasps> that's something we can also get into if you want. Not, not like just, <laughs> not to talk ill of the program, but just my experience was kind of different than most people's. I think. Oh, oh no! Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's start where with where you grew up, and we we covered how you guys met, and okay. what interested you in going back to japan to like do this culture exchange um so i'm a quarter japanese and okay. um my family is very americanized you know um we don't do a lot of traditional japanese things in our household um the japanese heritage is on my grandpa or it's on my dad's side uh my right. grandpa was full japanese um and he was born in hawaii so i'm technically third generation I think my great-grandparents were born in Japan um yes. so we've had like little um there are little bits of like Japanese uh it's more so like the Japanese like attitude I guess or demeanor that shows up in our family and it's trickled down even to me and so that was really interesting going back to Japan um to circle back though, I, I wanted to go there because of my family and because of the that heritage and wanting to connect with those roots. Um, what is mm. what is this demeanor that you're talking about? I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> by that. Like that's not a good way of describing it. Like not like that sounds negative, but more so like 
just the, the general way in which my family acts and conducts itself like I feel like is very traditionally Japanese in that oh. like we're very quiet and like you don't really talk about your feelings it's more like mm. you know keep things on under the rug kind of thing yeah. and that mm. indirectness that is so like essential to Japanese uh culture I guess in society right. um so yeah it was very interesting to go back to Japan and see like oh this is see so many similarities even though I'm only a quarter Japanese you know that's that's very interesting because like uh my mom is she basically grew up in Japan so even though she's Chinese she's um more or less Japanese mm. and I, I understand that that uh, outlook and, and the way you do things but being with my wife who is not Japanese it, that kind of gets like stamped out she just like hey that is not how we do things you got <laughs> I cannot read your mind you gotta like tell me what's going on because mm-hmm. that's not gonna fly and mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised that your mom didn't do that to your dad or uh, have that conversation I'm sure they might have had that conversation but it's interesting that it, it trickled down to you and from like your dad by the way you're, you're fourth generation technically oh fourth okay thank you yeah, because you know like um Nisei is like the first generation born in America oh your grandparents right yeah okay and then Sansei is um third generation fourth generation so like the first generation that's born here is considered Nisei that's why they have Nikkei week you're American born yeah Nisei technically okay okay I'm pretty sure I guess yeah yeah Yeah. but yeah that's uh that's interesting to me that um because your your um let's see your dad is half so your grandmother uh, would have been Caucasian or not Japanese correct and then your your mom is not Japanese so I'm surprised that they were went along with the program of <laughs> they went along feelings, you know yeah, that, yeah the, my, my wife is like no <laughs> yeah that is like that is interesting yeah like my so my grandma is also very much ironically she's also very similar in that regard um just because (laughs) no just by nature of like her family she's very like quiet and reserved and doesn't like talk much about about her feelings and so it just kind of it works her and my grandpa and like uh my parents are a different story Uh, my parents are divorced so maybe it just Uh didn't work out I don't know but like um but yeah I I think my grandma and my grandpa just ended up being a good match for each other in that regard. Because mm. yeah. I feel like the so, Germans are like that. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> the Germans. Yeah. I only say that because I went to Germany once and they didn't talk about things. And I saw my, my younger cousin, she, we were in the park and she was running around and she like zigzagged and cro- caused this lady to crash on her bike. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And my, my aunt was there and she's like, no, no, just walk away. Just keep on walking. It's okay. I was like, uh, wow. are we not going to address an elephant in the room? <laughs> she's like, mm. just walk away. This was in Germany huh. or? Germany, in Hamburg. I, I don't know if that was like specific to us or if it's specific <laughs> to the German culture or what have you. I don't know. Hmm. That's why I said. So Sam, <laughs> uh, for your Caucasian, I guess, uh, ancestry, like it, where does it trace its roots, I guess? Um, so on my mom's side, there's 
or on both sides there's like a lot of like irish um irish some spanish and scottish my grandma is mm. definitely scottish oh really? <laughs> yeah cool so what and part of japan were you stationed in so i was um in nara so okay. for oh, nice. people for people listening who don't know where nara is it's um like next to Wakayama, Mie, and Osaka and Kyoto. So it's nice mm-hmm. because I was like an hour from Osaka and Kyoto. So uh, kind of similar to OC, like a bit like, not that Nara is similar to OC, but just like you're kind of outside <laughs> of the hustle and bustle and you can like easily go into the city if you want to, which is really nice. Um, right. Yeah. And it's famous for Nara Park and the, uh, the deer there. And there's like the big, big Buddha, the huge Buddha. Buddha. Right, yeah, Fudaiji. Yeah. Dai, oh, Daiji. Uh, did, yeah. did you do all the touristy things? Like, I've been there, but did you do it while you're there? I did. I, I mean, I went to uh, Nada Park quite a bit, Todaiji <laughs> a few times. Um, but mostly just like, I, I loved wandering around Kyoto. Like, I have such a soft spot for Kyoto so mm. I tried to use all my extra time there um, just wandering around nice yeah. so as far Did as you go I, I actually met up who me yeah yeah James I, well, did you so I met Nara? up with her in Nara yeah I met up with uh, Sam mm. in Nara we got like a pizza at this like really <laughs> friendly pizza restaurant like um like they would they would like so they serve us and they're like oh where you from oh you're from oh you're from america cool here sign this like there's this book where like you know people from all around the world sign this book and there was like one person saying like oh i think i'm going to propose to the person here you know or something like that i, I think it, you put it on your instagram yeah. I remember something like yeah yeah so they were like whoa so we read that and then they they you know they serve food and then they came back with like hey would you like this travel book like okay cool Hey, they kept coming back. Hey, would you like this, um, you know, a drawing that we made for you? <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have like four of those drawings now because I, I went there a few times. And so yeah. I kind of gave them to family members and like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do with all these. The funny oh, thing right, about yeah, that yeah. book, though, is, be, is what I wrote in it was like, I'm a huge football fan and a huge, huge Rams fan. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah. like halfway through the season. And I was like, the LA Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year and they did so like <laughs> documented in that book in Nara nice so yeah um so we went yeah we met up in Nara hanged out we saw some deer um talked about yeah I talked about anime and stuff and uh yeah mm-hmm. but yeah so Sam like uh as far as growing up and you grew up in Tustin area or OC area or in the OC area um an orange slash Tustin area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you yeah, ever have been down here? Yeah. I have some family that, uh, that, uh, grew up in, or, uh, like they moved there when they were kids, uh, and they moved to Irvine from, uh, okay. East coast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I visited Irvine, uh, quite a bit actually during my college years to see them. Yeah. So mm. sometimes we would go to Tustin or spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Irvine spectrum. Yeah. yeah. nice yeah so you you grew up in a pretty you know fairly diverse ish area I guess or or right yeah it It was it's very diverse I mean 
I, I would say like LA is much more diverse than Orange County is, but I don't know. Something that struck me about Japan is like when I went over there, I didn't. So it's actually my first time traveling abroad. I had never been abroad before going to Japan this past year. Um, uh -huh. So I had never really thought about like the homogenous quality of the of their you know population. Like it's all just Japanese people. And I'm yeah. not used to that here. Um, and just like in the States in general, that's a pretty normal thing. You see people, a bunch of different races and you go there and it's like, wow. I, I didn't expect to get all the stares that I did. That was a bit jarring oh. at first. Yeah. I, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you go to like the middle of America, maybe you might be more homogenous. <laughs> right, right. But right, yeah, yeah, Japan, yeah. even, I went to China when I was a kid, and even when in China, we look different because we dress differently. And I got those yeah. stairs regardless. So, right. Yeah. And I look like them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I feel, also think body language is a big thing too. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I think if you if you have that plus your like white passing, then yeah, that's probably like a even more of like oh. Gaijin, you know, <laughs> right? But, yeah, yeah, foreigner, foreigner, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so growing up in uh, uh, what were some of your like uh, hobbies, passions growing up? Uh, like, were you always interested in like write? I know you're interested in writing stuff like that. Yeah, I've always been a big sports kid. I played a ton of different sports when I was growing up. Like, I played soccer, basketball, ice hockey. Wow. I played football. Um, track I was a big sports person still am and uh so now I do rock climbing bouldering oh yeah, yeah. um and which I also did in Japan um but mainly focused on writing I write fiction and I'm currently in the process of applying to MFA programs so we will see how oh. that goes um but my writing is mostly like like literary fiction so just like slice of life um kind of stuff but right now I'm working on a novel idea uh for that was taken from my experiences in japan partly oh nice are you going to mfa for screenwriting or playwriting or are you going to go for for fiction writing fiction no oh. yeah. what is the mm. what is the top school like you're like oh i if i could get in there uh i would say my dream schools are probably either michigan or texas those are really good programs Oh, like or Austin, Cornell. I guess, or Austin, yeah. Okay, Cornell. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have so um, Do you have any favorite authors that you were reading uh, when you were like growing up? I guess, or you got into to to reading and writing more like college or something. Um, I started getting really into it when I was in high school. Um, like most kids who are into writing like Solinger and Vonnegut and those guys were probably like mm. my they really got me into um interested in fiction but now my favorite authors I mean everyone loves them but like David Foster Wallace is one of my faves I also love mm. Cosmo Ishiguro if you guys know him mm. um, never let me go yeah ah so good uh, yeah that's that's a sad one yeah yeah um I love like Ocean Vuong's poetry um, oh yeah he's really good I'm looking at my books uh <laughs> uh yeah 
Ben Lerner. I don't know if these are more obscure names, but those are my favorites right now. You have any uh, favorite Japanese authors? Um, Japanese authors. I like Yukio Mishima. Um, oh, that guy. I love <laughs> I love Ishiguro, but he's technically British. Right. So, I yeah. mean, he's like from the UK. Um, I love Murakami, but I kind of am ambivalent about him. Uh, as a yeah. person. No, not as a person, just his writing. Like, okay. it can. Have you read read any of his books? Um, I tried reading Kafka by the Shore, and I didn't get through uh, it. Yeah, mm. it's a surreal one. Yeah, yeah, I, I read that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's just. I think it's the fact that there are the same elements in every book, and it's just. I, I don't know. There's just. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> talk ill about Murakami, but all know. the Murakami fans will come after you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't yeah, want them sliding I, into my DMs. Like, hey. yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, what's up? Yeah, I, I, for, for me, I like Norwegian Wood, which is like his probably least Murakami esque book, <laughs> like less surreal. That, I love that yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah, that book, I, I, I'm a huge fan of which it's funny because it's like his least least surreal book. Mm -hmm. uh, he does like magical realism, surrealism very often, like Kafka on the Shore and um, uh, other ones. But uh, mm -hmm. okay, interesting. Yeah, I was, I was funny because I was, I was looking, I was looking up like, I heard, I heard about Mishima. I think, I think I read the Temple of the Golden Pavilion a long, long time ago. I barely remember it. But uh, mm. I was just looking up because my my uh, my girlfriend she mentioned how um, she's kind of afraid of that guy. <laughs> so I looked I looked him up of Mishima, yeah, Yukio Mishima, like him as a person. Yeah. He's like a scary dude. So I was like, yeah, okay, I had I've heard of him. I've heard like he did some like crazy suicide. So I looked into the details of his life, and I'm like, oh god, this guy's intense. Yeah, <laughs> he's like yeah, a he's far. Pretty He's a far right uh, national Japanese nationalist, and I guess at the end, the last day of his life, he went. He stormed like some um, garrison, this Japanese garrison self defense force, and gave the gave this like ten minute speech of how Japan should reclaim its glory or something. And then he committed seppuku. Yeah, he did. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Another recommendation is Aku Aktagawa. I think that's his name. Uh yeah, Akutagawa. Okay. Akutagawa. Yeah, he's got some okay. great stories too. Uh interesting. Cool. But anyway, sorry for that tangent. Um, but yeah, uh so then for high school, I guess were you already so you've never been to Japan then, huh? Were you like when I, did your interest in Japan like start formulating? I guess. So, yeah. Um, so I've always been interested in Japanese culture, but it didn't really start to like take off, I would say, until I mean I don't know I really just never had up until college and even in college I didn't really have the confidence to travel to Japan just because of the language barrier and because I was thinking about studying abroad maybe and I was like uh I don't speak any Japanese so it'd be pretty difficult but then I, I met two friends when I was managing a coffee shop and they both did our program and they mm. told me about it and I was like, well, did you guys both know Japanese going into it? And they said, no, we didn't know any Japanese. 
and one of the guys actually hadn't even oh, left sorry. the country before. Pause. Sorry, I, I got pa okay. Package came. Hold on, sorry, hold up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. So what are you doing now? Uh, so now I'm going to be uh, working at Trader Joe's, um, oh, which I was working at Trader Joe's before I did the program. And so now I'm going to go back there and just work there until I hear back from grad schools. So exciting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. So right now I'm just working on a novel excerpt to send to these schools because you need to send okay. like a 40-page manuscript. Oh, wow. So that's kind of that's a lot. Like intense. Yeah. 40 pages. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're really competitive programs. Like only like one to 2% of people get in. So, um, so if I don't get in, I'm also applying to a master's in teaching program to start teaching high school English. So, oh, cool. So whichever program takes me, I will gladly attend. I do want to talk about breaking the contract. That's very interesting. Yes. <laughs> like <Definitely>. the teaser. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, sorry, what did I miss? Oh, I was just we're, talking we're about just what talking. I'm doing now. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. I, I caught a bit of that. Um, yeah. It's interesting in Japan, like there's, so there's some packages that you can just ask for them to leave, but then there's a lot of packages where you have to be present to sign for yep. it. Mm -hmm. it's just like so what's that what if you're at work so you have to reschedule so you'll get a slip and then you have to sign like okay uh pick an evening time so like yeah or you have to set up the time for when the packages co package comes for after work so it's kind of like oh. you have to plan your life around packages <laughs> did you have this issue too sam or yeah, I, yeah. it kind of annoyed me sometimes like, I, I understand why <laughs> they do that but but it's also didn't make any sense to me because like they don't want people to steal your packages, but in Japan, no one steals anything. Dude, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, okay. like America, like, okay, I get, yeah, America, like I've had, my brother's had packages stolen. I've had a package. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but um, yeah, Japan's safe. So like, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyways. Um, okay. So yeah, I guess let's, let's talk about, so like the interest of Japan, you've always had that. And then going into college. So for college, you studied communications. I said communications and I minored in screenwriting. So I was initially uh, interested in screenwriting. Um, and I went to Chapman, which is a pretty good program for um, TV and film. Right, and then yeah. through some of my classes, I realized that screenwriting isn't the medium that I really enjoyed the most. So because uh, I was I was wanting the writing to be like somewhat maybe lucrative. And I was like, well, screenwriting might be like a happy in the middle. But I'm like, no, if I'm going to write, like, I just want to like do what I'm really passionate about. Like, so um, decided on fiction and the rest is history. Um, mm. But uh, and I didn't get to study abroad in college, which I'm sad about. But so then I guess this this program. But yeah, was this kind of yeah. like what were you in like Japanese clubs or language exchange programs or taking Japanese during college or? No, so I 
during college, I actually didn't take any Japanese language classes or culture classes. Um, so after I graduated, the pandemic started and I had Yay. thought already about <laughs> applying to the program. So I was like, well, I've got nothing else to do. So I'm just going to like learn Japanese like online via community college classes. So I took three of them. Um, and that helped because I knew hiragana and uh, katakana before coming to Japan. I knew very, very basic Japanese, but still like I didn't functionally know even basic Japanese when I got there. Um, but it was a good like, uh, it was a good like, you know, basic, uh, like foundational, uh, you know, learning, I guess. Did you speak any other language before this or do your parents speak any other languages or? Not really. Um, uh, I mean, I took six years of Spanish, but I can only speak pretty basic Spanish. Mm, I took four. Yeah, I took the high, the high school. Was that in high school or? Yeah, in high school and college. College, yeah. I took wow. French in high school and totally forgot most of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So then I guess it sounds like maybe because of that, maybe that feeling of, oh, I didn't do a study abroad program, maybe that attracted you to like go to teach in Japan possibly? Was that the impetus? And, and also like to find your roots that you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd always, I had always wanted to live abroad at some point in my life. Um, I knew it would be something that I would regret if I was older and I just hadn't pursued it. Um, so Japan seemed like the best option for me because I'd be able to connect with those roots and also live abroad. So from meeting my friends who have done our program, that gave me confidence that like, because they were talking about the support that our program gave, like, so you're not just, just thrown out there on your own. Like you have mm. the support from the program that gave me confidence to go over there. Um, and yeah, so I applied and got in. Cool. Yeah. Uh, how was, how was your interview? Did you like it? <laughs> it, it was good. I mean, I, I was so nervous because yeah. so for our program, um, there is the possibility of having to do some kind of demo lesson that I, I don't yeah, really yeah. have. I didn't really have any teaching experience aside from tutoring. So I was like, Oh, if they asked me to do a demo lesson, that could be interesting. But, uh, yeah, just pretty like generic, you know, situational, questions that it wasn't too bad it was on how Zoom, was your right or yeah yeah yeah, how yeah. Was so I was technically in Taiwan at the time um so oh. well not not technically I I was in Taiwan at the time because <laughs> I I was oh. in the states right and I was just like uh I covered we Dan and I've talked about this in the previous podcast but I was like you know what the states is getting pretty hairy with this COVID situation I recently got a Taiwanese passport I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to Taiwan, chill out for a few months and learn some, you know, work on my, brush up on my Mandarin. And so I did that. And then I had applied to the program prior to that um, um, because I, I always, in a similar vein, I, I wanted to live in, I've always wanted to live in Japan. I have lived mm -hmm. in Taiwan. I've lived in Australia before, but like Japan mm -hmm. was always on my bucket list because, I, you know, I had been learning the language. I've always... I, I grew up with Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop, which were like yes, huge influence. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, and so then I got, I got the interview. I was like, oh crap. Uh, yeah. 
cool. Um, so uh, I, I try to make, it was like super early in the morning. It was like 4 a.m. for me. <laughs> and I, I, I just wow. I lit up the whole room. So it's not like, so it didn't look like it was like, you know, 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, I'm saying goodbye to my girlfriend. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, it was, it was decent. I, I think I was nervous about, I was pretty confident because about the, I had some teaching experience and I, I'm older than most applicants mm -hmm. of this program I, by like almost 10 years. I'm in my late thirties. So, um, I'm pretty confident about, you know, shooting the shit, to, you know, for a better way. Like, uh, mm -hmm because uh i've i've been through that uh wheelhouse um wait james i did not know that you were in your late 30s what i'm in my late really? 30s and, and dan's even whoa. older so yeah yeah <laughs> whoa asians yeah, don't raisin older. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and i was nervous about the japanese section like there, there was a section where i had to speak like some mm. japanese with them did you have that or i did and i yeah i blew it i didn't know any japanese really yeah yeah but, but, you, but you, that yeah. doesn't count against you though so right that's why I'm looking about it i think you know what i think it is i think it's more like how do you deal with that situation because it's going to come up in the program where people are speaking japanese to you so like i guess were you able to turn it into like a humorous sort of like oh i'm sorry guys i can't you know well like i mean i knew enough japanese to be like uh like yoku wakarimasen i don't understand yeah wakarimasen yeah Mm -hmm. uh i could fake the accent you know like kind of like the japanese accent if i don't know what it is i'll just like say in katakana ego like katakana english like right, right uh, say, yeah say, say masen eto. yeah um uh did you yeah. know much japanese going into the program not really no i did take about two semesters in community college so i basically covered katakana hiragana and basic kanji but I, I i understand kaji from mandarin which i i speak conversationally uh, fluently and right. then um uh so so i and and yeah and you know so i i have an i i have a like a very basic grasp but if you want me to construct like a, a con, like have a con, long long form conversation like this yeah that's no, not gonna happen but I, I know in the interview, like I would just like, I say my son, you know, uh, yeah. Oh, moikai onigashimasu. Say it one more time, please. So I would get the mannerisms. I, I think they they found that kind of like, oh, that's he's he at least he understands the Japanese politeness, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, yeah. So then we the, after that it was quarantine, and then how was the like actual starting the program? How how was that? Was there culture shock for you? Like so. So fast forwarding, so we did the quarantine. We talked about that a bit, the, you know, our prison sentence ish. <laughs> and <Yeah>. then <laughs> actually getting out. I know for me, the first couple of days was like, oh my God, air, fresh air. And and, uh, and and then it was like a whirlwind for me that first couple of like week is just getting settled, buying like futons for, and like setting up my place. But yeah, how was your experience? Um, so I didn't really feel a ton of culture shock, surprisingly. I was just like, my jaw was dropped because I've never been out of the country before. So like, here I am just like on a bus in Tokyo, like, what is this? <laughs> um, but it was like, it was the coolest. Like, the, I mean, the really cool thing about my experience there is like, especially not having known any of the language, you're reduced to the status of a baby. Like you can't talk, you can't understand people you can't read 
and it's it really humbles you and I feel like most people or everyone should have to go through this I feel like because it humbles you in in such a good way I feel like um but it was a whirlwind for me as well um I mean so my so my supervisor for the program um we're all like assigned a supervisor and mine um he didn't speak any English at all and (laughs) and uh he it was also his first time working with um a person in our program so he had never these people usually have other jobs as well like I don't know how your situation is James but like same yeah he also did other administrative tasks so like he wasn't super familiar with what was required to help me and so that was interesting like I was (laughs) I, I didn't expect um I didn't expect the the lack of English that there was in Japan because like mm. I think we think of like especially in America we think of Japan as like very efficient very modern and like they have all of their all of it together there you know and that's just they don't speak much English there which was very very surprising so mm. um, that definitely gave me some kind of like I don't know uh a kind of shock I guess for the first few weeks Hmm. yeah it's kind of like you that's a good metaphor like you feel like a child like well like you're trying to get people you know uh you know get food or you know some have a conversation but like it's just you can't express any yeah I, I think that I've had that feeling before when I first lived in Taiwan like 10 plus years ago so going over it again was just like oh this again Oh, this is tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, going to the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Grocery store. Oh, going to the grocery store. That was something that was terrifying for me at first because, <laughs> yeah. because a lot of the Japanese food like is very different from what we have here. And yeah. plus the labels are all in Japanese. So you're like, what is this? Like, mm. so um, yeah, at first things are can be pretty difficult but I don't know after a few months I was okay I think yeah yeah so that was my question is like how how long did it take before you actually felt comfortable doing all these even basic stuff like shopping you said a few months um but like just wandering around on your own did you feel confident from the very beginning to go to Kyoto Um, or Osaka or yeah I wouldn't even say it took me a few months to be able to do all that stuff on my own like um I thankfully had a coworker who, um, he also was an English teacher at our board of education. Um, and he's like much older than, uh, than ALTs usually are. He, I think he was almost 60. Um, he was from Nepal. Wow. And so he oh, would, Wow. he helped oh. me a lot. He helped me so much and like teaching me how to do the grocery store and like just taking me around and helping me with things that my supervisor wasn't really able to help me with um and also like my best japan friend shout out to jenny from our program who james shout i don't know if, jenny. You, if you know jenny um but you she mentioned took me her under, yeah. yeah yeah she took me under her wing and was like okay like here is the you know like the ic card for the train she's like okay <laughs> like 
here's how you get this. So you just scan this every time you go on the train, just like, mm. just you find people that will, that will be really kind and that are willing to help you. And, um, and that's what, that's what helped me. I mean, I was, I think the thing that I was blown away by when I got to Japan was just how like astoundingly nice everyone is there. Like, you know, I didn't speak much Japanese at all. And I got lost in the train, like one of my first days and I was panicking because like my phone was dying and everything. And um, I went up to this old lady and I was like, where is this? And she did not even know what the word where meant. And I was yeah. like, oh no. But she she took me to the train the train master is that what, oh, what yeah, yeah. like the, and she took me yeah. over there and was just like this girl was lost like and helped me out and she missed her train to help me and like I was like almost in tears just like by how nice that was like she went out of mm. her way to help me and those first few weeks I had a lot of experiences like that um that really like gave me like a lot of affection for Japan and how willing mm. they are to help you yeah and how was like, um, and then actual the job itself, how was the like teaching experience for you? Cause you haven't, you've only done, so you mentioned you've done some tutoring before, like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, but so you're now in front of a class of, uh, you did, was it high school or junior high school? So I did elementary and junior high school and then some okay. kindergarten sometimes. Oh, so on the younger spectrum. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Yes. So I was very nervous for that because I've never been in front of a class before. Um, but so with my situation, I was the like, you know, tape recorder, but I wasn't, I wasn't utilized very much, which um, was unfortunate, but also like helped me um, kind of get, get more used to like the day to day in the classroom. It would have, mm it would have been a little more difficult if I was just thrown in like, oh, teach a class right now. Right, um, right. But, um, but I loved teaching. So like when I would do the junior high school, I wasn't there as much, but I would get to teach my own class for the mm. whole period. And I loved that. And so I think from that experience at those junior high schools, I really started to realize like I love teaching. And mm. so that's why now I'm also applying to programs to eventually teach high school English because I it, it really solidified my love for teaching I think um and the kids are so cute oh. I love working <laughs> with the kids that's great they're so silly yeah. <laughs> and you did you have like um so it sounds like you had multiple schools right so you had more than one junior high school more than one mm -hmm. element okay well, so for elementary and junior high schools, I think at one point I had, at one point I had three and then I had four because they kind of change around sometimes. Mm. Um, but going back to what you were asking, like um, in regards to being, getting acclimated, I guess, to the school setting, um, the biggest shock for me, the two biggest shocks for me was one, like I expected because we're assistant language teachers. So we're paired mm. with um, a Japanese teacher who is the main English teacher. Right. And right. you would expect that like they would know English, 
but a lot of the times <laughs> in elementary or junior high school, even high school, sometimes they don't know very much English. And yeah. so you're having to coordinate, like talking about lesson plans with them. And you really, it's sink or swim in regards to like wow. picking up some Japanese so you can communicate with them. Um, I luckily, my main teacher that I worked with, she was basically fluent in English, but the rest of them oh. didn't know much at all. So that was a big shock. Um, and then second, like when you're, you don't think about this going into the program, but um, like, you know, I'm an assistant. So I'm going around like asking kids if they understand what's going on, but they don't understand the, the question, do you understand? So right. you need to like learn these little bits of Japanese to use in the classroom so that the kids are more comfortable because mm. that makes so much sense. Like I wouldn't be as comfortable if someone's like asking me, do you understand in Spanish or whatever? And I'm just a kid. Mm. So um, learning those things helped a lot with the kids warming up to me, I think. Mm. That's cool. So it sounds like you found a, uh... It, re it reignited or it lit your passion for teaching or your, your love for the craft of teaching or pedagogy, I guess, right? Right, yeah. Nice, nice, cool. Because just the, the simple, like there was one instance in which I like, this one kid really was not, the student wasn't understanding um, what the word on meant. And so just from teaching him what the word on meant like like he just got it like I I saw it in his eyes he was like oh okay and just like that feeling when you're teaching somebody and they're like oh okay it's it's such a it's a very like thrilling feeling and mm. I don't know I like it <laughs> yeah yeah no I told her yeah like when you see that light light up in their eye like oh it's very satisfying it's like oh yes get it mm -hmm. you got it you <laughs> know Mm -hmm. so uh so the actual experience itself sounds like you had took some time getting acclimated to yeah I was surprised by that uh, I'm lucky in the sense I teach high school and a lot of my mm. teachers for the most part are convert can speak in like conversationally oh. can we can chat in English but I, you know I had one or two where it's like yeah no English, I was just like oh <laughs> yeah. wow he's 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 an English teacher he or she is an English teacher I'm like how like I think in the states we're we're spoiled in the sense that we're a very multicultural diverse country for the most part in well in the metropolitan cities so like mm -hmm. that wouldn't fly like like if you had like a non like basically not like a uh, a sub like a, a Spanish teacher that couldn't speak Spanish in a California high school dude like there'd be kids be like bro I speak better Spanish you know like all, all like all the Hispanic kids would be like come on you're joking right yeah yeah but right, in Japan a, yeah you can get away with it <laughs> you can well let me ask you this are they are they um very good in grammar are they like it's like reading and writing is what they're focused on are they really good at that and the conversational parts are the one or pronunciation is where you guys come in correct so i mean we um, yeah. are at least for me when i was in the elementary and junior high school setting i was most utilized for pronunciation purposes um right. but it seems like the goal in japan in regards to like english edu education is just to like 
more so to like pass tests and fulfill requirements. Yeah. Um, it's there's not a lot of actually like getting into groups and speaking English, right. you know. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I try. I I'm try to do that more for my students is getting them into groups and speaking because I that's I think underutilized in the other classes. But yeah, sorry, I Dan. We're gonna very, no, I think that's the very common thing. I, I've um, all the Japanese people I've spoken to, they all know all the grammar. They probably have better understanding of grammar, but um, pronunciation is like something that is very challenging because that's why they have this program for you to be there to to explain or to show or demonstrate what the pronunciation is. But then mm. a lot of Japanese people actually understand a lot of English, re reading and writing wise. Yeah. But they're so shy and unwilling to practice because they don't want to make that mistake and be embarrassed. That I don't think right. they, they, they're willing to risk that embarrassment by speaking and practicing if they can't get it right the first time. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, they're very shy about their abilities, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, you'll find like one or two of them who are like, uh, like outliers who will be willing to try it out and just, right. they're, they're probably going to be gregarious anyways, and they're going to just try it and just do it for laughs. But right. I think for the most part, all, most of the people I've met, I mean, they, they learn stupid stuff like this is a pen. And then that's the <laughs> kind of like English that they learn. Mm -hmm. Right. So. You're yeah, right. I've, they are very shy about their abilities. A lot of them know a lot more than they let on. Yeah. 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 But also, like, it, you know, to, you know, in their defense, like, there's not a lot of opportunities in Japan no. to practice speaking English. So I found a lot of people, um, especially like service workers, when they would see me, they would like start speaking English and get kind of like, excited to speak uh -huh. English. And because, like, here, I mean, in Southern California, they're, quite a few opportunities to speak Spanish if you want to practice it but yes not the same kind of thing in Japan no. yeah are you yeah. gonna keep up with Japanese in while you're back in the states and gonna still practice or <laughs> yeah I mean I I actually am kind of um in search of some kind of like language exchange mm. um group yeah. over here so if you guys know of anything let me know yeah there there's like one in little Tokyo, I know that um, my friend Michael, who lives in, in Japan right now, he, mm. he was like in some sort of um, conversational thing in, in little Tokyo. But in, yeah. I don't know about what you know, your undergrad, but my undergrad had um, Japanese language learners or mm. English language learners from Japan, and they wanted a conversational partner. And then they would pair you up if that's what you wanted to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to keep up the because it's just I have such a strong, not really that strong, but a strong foundation to really build upon, um, mm. in the coming years. And I don't want to lose the Japanese either. Yeah. Cool. So then, but for I, the program, I, I, yeah, go, yeah ahead, go ahead. No, James, you go first because I. Oh, I, I was I just gonna. Oh, I, uh, I was just gonna move move like so for the program. I guess yeah, we've already we've talked about it briefly, but what led to it? Sounded like you had a decent experience. Was there was there some other experience? So what led to like breaking contract? I guess. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what I. Why don't we know. just yeah like, yeah we can just <laughs> jump to that yeah I mean so it sounds like I mean looking at your Instagram it looks like you've had a very enjoyable experience in Japan. 
so whenever you, we, we have Nenkyu, which is like um, days, paid days off. So I, I think compared to other teachers like or other jobs, I was talking to my girlfriend, she's Japanese, my girlfriend, and she's like, wow, you get that many days off? So like, it's a pretty, like our program is a pretty good deal as far as days off. So um, the pay is not great. So this is just me speaking from experience and, and then I want to hear from you, but like, yeah, the pay is not the best, but you know, comparative to other college graduates, like recent college grads in Japan, it's, it's, com it's competitive. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah, I know I, 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 per I personally have some frustrations with the actual job itself, but overall, yeah, I, th I think it's, yeah, it's manageable for me, you know, and mm -hmm. also for like uh, the, the vacation that we get and stuff like that. And then also the opportunity, which is, I think the, the, the main draw is the opportunity to explore Japan, practice the language. But yeah. for you, like, it, it sounds like you had a decent experience, but what made you want to like leave or uh, maybe uh, earlier? So I had, so for our program, um, so usually what happens is people arrive at the end of July and then in around December, they ask you if you want to stay for another year. Right. But because of COVID, our cohort went in uh, September and then we were asked like, early <laughs> December, do you want to recontract? So you've only been there for like a few months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I said, yes. And um, I really didn't start to um, second guess my decision until probably March. Um, and the main reason is just because of my specific um, situation with my board of education and schools. Um, just because the way in which my schools utilized me was kind of unfortunate in that. Um, so most people in our program when they're not needed in class, they are desk warming, um, which is very common, but I didn't really yeah. have any desk warming. I would be um, doing like five classes a day, but I wasn't, so I would come to class, five classes, and I would stand on the side and the teacher would teach and they wouldn't have me participate in the class at all. So it would be kind of like five hours of just like, staring at the wall which was really <laughs> I like to be engaged at work and so that was it was really difficult because I was bored and yeah, um, yeah. I would have really especially because of my writing I was very um attracted to the program because I knew of this desk warming and I was like oh, okay like I could you know get some teaching experience and also do writing and all this downtime but I wasn't able yeah. to do any writing so it's kind of hindering my ability to write, which was kind of frustrating, especially when I was just coming to class and just staring at the wall. Um, yeah. And so there was that. It was just a lot of logistical things that made my situation kind of unfeasible. Um, like for instance, so I was, um, I'm not gonna like say the, certain, the specific city that I was in, I guess, <laughs> but um, so most are placed or they're working in the city in which they're placed. So they're living like usually pretty close to their schools or school. Um, and I was sent to live in a city that's about 40 minutes away from where I was working. So it was like an hour and 10 minute commute because 
I would wow. take the train for a half hour to you know, the city that I worked in. And then I would walk to the city hall building for like 20 minutes. And then I would drive like kind of backwards to um, the schools. And so just all these little things kind of added up and, and made the lifestyle not really feasible for me. Um, and uh, so it was that, um, yeah, it was, it was mostly the job, honestly. I loved being in Japan. Like I, I'm so sad that I had to, that I had to leave when I did because I would have loved to stay another year. Um, it's not like a soup. It's not like a big like falling out situation kind of happened, mm. but it was just more so like the day the day to day of my situation wasn't great. Um, yeah, but I loved the students and being able to interact with them was like the highlight of my day. Hmm. Hey, yeah. you're. Are you okay? Just to preface, are you okay talking about this or uh, publicly? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right, cool. I, that's, yeah. That's now fine. you're now that you're out of the program. So yeah. Well, you know what. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I'm a program <laughs> alumni. <laughs> Sorry. I can edit that out. Let me see. Okay. <laughs> um, um. What do you miss yeah. most about Japan? um what I miss most the food yeah. the food yeah because it's like it's so much cheaper than it is here and yes. such better quality yeah. I mean <laughs> like in the U.S. it's more like quantity over quality right it's like oh yeah. I, yeah. I got like enough to have dinner and lunch the next day like what a deal <laughs> but there it's like they are so you know they're so tuned into like precision and like mm. and making the best quality product that they can possibly make you um and I really became a foodie when I went to Japan mm. uh, so it was is the food and also like being able to travel so much like um another part of the breaking contract was I didn't really like find um a great a, a great community honestly um mm. for our program like I had my um my friend Jenny who I hung yeah. out with quite a bit um but so I in March from March to July I took a, a lot of solo trips which was awesome but uh, you also just like get to a point where you want to enjoy these things with other people you know yeah um but Japan's also an awesome place to solo travel especially as a woman because it's very safe mm. um is Jenny also from America? She's actually from California as well. Um, mm. She was born in Taiwan. So okay. like, James, I feel like you guys would have stuff to talk to talk about because she's lived oh, in Taiwan cool. as well. Yeah. Cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, maybe we can connect after. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think, was there anything you missed in, while you were living in Japan that you were like oh I wish I could get like a taco or something like that <laughs> oh there are so many things um the biggest thing that comes to mind is onsen I really grew to love onsen um oh. like as... a hot springs or like yeah oh, yeah 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 going to a hot spring yeah yeah as, as most Americans are probably like I was pretty so for anybody listening like onsen is you know uh japanese hot springs um 
And they're kind of like a similar to a spa where you go outside and there's like usually like these beautiful like rocks and everything and um and you can't wear any clothes you have to shower <laughs> beforehand and that's pretty like jarring to an american person at first we're not used to that but you can't I have tattoos really, you usually can't have tattoos yeah usually yeah um, and uh i grew to really love it like it was um i went to an onsen town in hyogo it was awesome oh yeah that's i think yeah the onsen culture here is is amazing like it's it's so cool like you'll see like yeah. people families like this you know whole family of naked people just like going going to the onsen <laughs> you know like yeah yeah whereas like yeah. in america america there might be like oh wait you know you should they, they, sh they should cover up or like you know but inside in, in, once you're inside the onsen it's like whoosh, or, but you mm -hmm. know obviously it's it's gendered uh it's like um you know there's the men's side there's a female side but like i would mm -hmm. see like i saw some dads bring their daughter like infant daughters and that was like totally fine to like bring your infant daughter into the male onsen i was just like oh interesting yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's super cool onsen is awesome um yeah. i miss the food i miss onsen uh the traveling um yeah. food is there's cheaper, so many but supermarkets food if you buy groceries it's more expensive you know that's true most things are more expensive at the grocery Especially store fruit. i think the fruit is like the, the most fruit. yeah yeah i was looking at i looked at a watermelon i was like wow i could buy like I could buy like three Big Mac meals with this this watermelon or something like that or five. But they're yeah. beautiful. The, the yeah, watermelons saw, are beautiful. Yeah. I've seen like a pack of like two peaches for like $30 before. Like pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like no, honestly, also, like, oh, go, yeah, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I got, um, so for Christmas in Japan last year, one of our Japanese friends gave me two large apples wrapped in newspaper and i was like all right get some apples cool and they were the best <laughs> apples i've ever had in my life and i was like this is the best christmas <laughs> present i've got and like i missed fruit so much yeah These monster apples that are oh, so delicious and they're probably they're like perfect. 50 bucks yeah. or something or <laughs> honestly probably hey, that's crazy yeah, yeah. there is I, I was watching this nhk program there is a all you can eat strawberry farm outside of tokyo and you just like Ooh. pay a certain fee and go in and then the, the strawberries are beautiful out there and then they will have like different varieties of the strawberries and you could just like i, I don't know what the fee was but you just go and pay and you just like go crazy Ooh, something good note next time you go back to tokyo i want to do that tokyo. um yeah that sounds yeah. Strawberry. okay tokyo i might look into that i, I also yeah. want to go have um the the egg raw egg over rice there's like a restaurant Ooh. that for like 1200 yen, you can do it like all you can eat. And then each egg is like all the chickens are fed different um, feed. So they have like subtle differences in the, the egg flavor. Like one has like more yuzu flavor and one's like, yeah. Wait, this is in LA? No, no, no. Tokyo, Tokyo. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> if it was in LA, I'd be there already. You cannot have in America and not like okay. risk salmonella. Yeah. Yeah, that's the so, sad thing. Oh, I miss yeah. the raw egg over rice. So good. So top um, top foods, Sam. What, what are some of your top go-to foods? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Especially um, since you are so close to Osaka. Osaka is like a food capital. 
Well, actually, this is a controversial opinion of mine, but I'm not a huge fan of Osaka personally. Oh, um, I know ooh. a lot of people are. Um, yeah. However, I I didn't, maybe I just didn't have the, the Osaka experience. I didn't really have great food there compared to other places, but maybe I was going to the wrong places. Um, probably was. Uh, but I usually went to Kyoto if I was going to one of those two cities. Um, mm. But the best food that I had was definitely either in Tokyo or in, in uh, Sapporo, in you know, Hokkaido. Mm. Oh, Hokkaido. Yes. Yeah. I loved going to Hokkaido's. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, obviously sushi. I, I had like omakase sushi in Tokyo um, at uh, not Sushi Dai, but um, oh God, which place was it? Um, Daiwa sushi in the Tsukiji? it's yeah it's the new one though um, oh because they relocated and they renamed it I'm not sure what right. it is now um but I had to go there at like 6 a.m to get sushi <laughs> and it was awesome it was so good um so that was one of my favorite meals there um I had some really good sukemen ramen uh. in Tokyo um honestly just like that's the seafood like ramen, I, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, like i had like donburi like just like some like sashimi over rice in hokkaido and it was like one of the best meals i've ever had um <laughs> uh i love soba i grew to really love natto actually no, interesting uh, yeah I'm, I, I'm yeah my girlfriend's trying to get me into it i'm like uh. <laughs> yeah this anyways. is this is really random but like I started eating it for breakfast with spinach and it really uh -huh. went together well. So oh. I recommend that. Spinach, uh, okay. Um, I love katsudon. Uh, mm. That's the fried... O onigiri. Onigiri, yeah. yeah. Mm. There for is... our listeners who don't speak Japanese, yeah, katsudon is... That's, is that the, that's the fried pork, right? Pork. Pork, pork yes. over rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, yeah. 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 Onigiri is like rice balls. They yeah. sell them mm. in convenience stores, and which are great. Highlight of my uh, day, right there. Onigiri. Yeah. <laughs> Did it's you have great. Like while you're there. What was that? Japan? Coffee. Oh yeah, the canned coffee. No, 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 just like a just a Japanese coffee cafe. Have you oh, gone to yeah. Kisaten? And you're like, the, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, the pour overs. I mean, as a barista or a former barista yourself, you're like, oh, I, have you tried like some of the coffee places? Yeah, I a few of my favorite coffee shops in the world are in Japan. Like um, there was one coffee shop that I went to in Sapporo that was awesome. It was open until like 11 p.m. They had a lot of, you know, pour over situations going on. I did a lot Miyakoshi. of writing there. Um, what was it? In Miyakoshi? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the name yeah. of it was. I'll have to look it up. Mm. Um, I loved my favorite coffee shop, I think, ever was in uh, Tokyo. It's called Fuglin. It's, it's pretty popular. Oh. Um, there's one in Shibuya and one in Asakusa. Um, mm. That's like my favorite place to hang out in Tokyo. Um, mm. uh, there weren't a lot of coffee shops in Nara that I went to, actually. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, great coffee in, in Japan. 
<laughs> and I also I started so in the U.S. like Starbucks is just kind of like eh, you know. But yeah. when I went to Japan, I was asking Japanese people like like where do you like to drink coffee? I know Japan's not like a big coffee place. Like they're more tea. They're more into tea. Um, but everyone was like Starbucks, and I was like really <laughs> Starbucks. And then, like, I went to the Japan Starbucks and I was like, oh, my God, I love Starbucks now. Like, the <laughs> coffee is so good at their Starbucks. It's crazy. And the, all the desserts are just, like, beautiful. It's, yeah, I, I miss my Starbucks. Were you let down when you came back to the States and you were like, oh, I'm going to go Starbucks. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not. I, have, <laughs> I haven't been back to Starbucks. I can't go, you know. It's interesting. It's like everything in like all the american brands in 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 japan are just like better like mcdonald's is way better like it tastes yeah. better mm-hmm. and they have like samurai and they have like samurai mag they have different like special flavors too um mm-hmm. uh, different types of seasonal. burgers yeah. seasonal stuff yeah yeah and like i would see yeah i haven't been to starbucks much here but i would see lines out the door for starbucks here in japan like yeah it's crazy so yeah yeah you can't um, do that here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so now after the japan experience it looks like you're focusing on your writing now you want to go applying to programs and stuff like that you're working on you mentioned that you're working on maybe a, a, a mini project right now or like a um, yeah do you want to talk about that a bit um so it's still like an it's an idea in progress still um but it's a novel idea I've written I don't know like 20 pages of it um it takes place in Nara um and the the basic idea was that there's this onsen um that this guy gets into and he's able to feel the feelings and think the thoughts of the other people who are getting into um this specific bath um interesting and so that was the it was originally going to be just a short story but then I was thinking about so the town that I was living in is known for um goldfish scooping it's like where the Mm. national goldfish scooping tournament is always held (laughs) um and so there's kind of a Uh, a goldfish scooping like children's cult kind of thing going on like I cult isn't the right word but I think (laughs) like maybe um with the group of kids in it like but they're scooping and um so this it's all gonna like tie together it's kind of hard to talk about because it's very no, yeah, early cool, yeah. in stages but um yeah I'm a writer too so I I understand that like it, I'm always hesitant to talk about stuff that's still like amorphous I guess right yeah yeah right, right. do you want to explain yeah. goldfish scooping oh yeah so I've I've done it once so goldfish scooping it doesn't sound very hard right like you have um you go into this place and they're um different like Uh, like square bucket kind of things um with goldfish in them and um you would think oh it's just like a net you just grab the fish whatever but it's actually not a net it's like um uh, a handle that's connected to this like it's just like a flat piece of paper honestly it's like so it breaks so easily yeah yeah. it breaks super easily and i'm like how am i going to get fish on this thing so you have to (laughs) just 
you have to be very careful about how you're angling it and like how fast you're it's there's a lot of like you know mechanics that go into the whole thing Did you get but, good at it? Uh, I got I think in like one, one minute I had like two fish so Ooh, <laughs> I was not that's good. good so pretty good maybe it was a couple of minutes I I know I did <laughs> um, they used to do that in Nisei week in little Tokyo oh really they yeah they stopped doing it I don't know oh, why. how come I don't know and then the ja- did you do the yo-yo no, no no way before that did you do okay. the Japanese yo-yo as well Mm-mm. at the Matsuri's they have um one of the ones is goldfish scooping Mm-hmm. another one was like um, what they call the japanese yo-yo or, or that's what i used to call it's it like a, a small balloon filled with a little bit of water with a rubber band mm-hmm. and it, it would go in a water circle and you would have to uh, there's a hook tied to a, another paper string tied to a rod and you would have to hook it up and then if you didn't do it the the string would dissolve and then the hook would just drop so oh, you see wow. a bunch of hooks at the bottom yeah and there's another one to catch eels i i never understood the eel one I just saw a bunch of kids like standing in front of like a pit with like a bunch of eels with another paper <laughs> string and hook and a stick. I, I don't know how that game works, but I was like, why would you want that? But I guess because I don't want to clean that thing. I don't know if they're <laughs> cleaning afterwards or whatever. Yeah. See, these are the things I miss about Japan. Just so wholesome, just catching the eels, you know? Yeah, catching eels. So wholesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, I but think, I uh, think. Did you miss a well, fireworks season? Oh, Hanami, uh, yeah. I was there for Hanami. Fireworks season, I think I had left right before that. So I left July 20th. So I think right uh, before that stuff was happening. Yeah, um, yeah. You could go to 7-Eleven and get a bunch of fireworks and go light them up at the park. That's true. <laughs> <I could have. laughs> Is that really, can you really do that? Like, I, I didn't know. I think, I I think it's frowned upon, but you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, there was one summer when we went ghost chasing with a bunch of coworkers. And then to cap off the night, we went to a 7 Eleven, got a bunch of fireworks, and we we're lighting them up like at, at some random park. Wait, so, so did you, did you live in uh, Japan as well, or were you just visiting? I was just visiting. I got like a part time job through my, my, um, my work at the time um mm. the the ceo was married to a japanese woman who whose father owned like a japanese company and she got okay. me a job there for the <laughs> summer and then these coworkers said hey you want to go looking for go- with uh looking for ghosts with us i was like what like, well, yeah yeah we're gonna go to all these haunted places take pictures and see if anything comes out of it and that's what we did for like a saturday night that's awesome that's great yeah. uh so uh yeah i i guess before we finish up, like about your, um, for your writing and stuff, what is something that, so it sounds like your writing fiction is a little bit surreal. Like, do you have like uh, a certain kind of like, uh, what would you say are some of the like themes or things that you want to write about or talk about? Like, kind of like your world perspective i guess yeah are there things about culture are there things about human relationships you're trying to express yeah you know i'm not i don't know specific themes i mean um i guess like thinking of like all the stories that i've written like uh like childhood is something that comes up a lot but honestly when i try to write i don't really have a theme or anything in mind it's more so just like 
it's kind of like meta but just like just writing where the story takes me and like mm. not really thinking about oh I want to like you know say something about or say some kind of like social commentary or cultural commentary like whatever um it's more so just like more like instinctual just kind of like write what wherever the story leads me I guess if that makes mm. sense that makes um, sense yeah but uh yeah it's hard to talk about themes I don't know uh no yeah yeah a lot of it is very connected, heavily connected to childhood too, um, and my own experiences as well. Hmm. Like, uh, I guess I just went, yeah. So I just went to like a museum, um, the the two, like the Mie Museum here, and yeah, I I think there is a. I know there was a big. The artist drew a lot of like childhood paintings or like pictures of kids and stuff like that. Um, is there something about maybe hmm, like creating like creating fiction, writing fiction or or creating art in general? Is there a certain like um, uh, what draws you to that? Is there a sort of childlike innocence to it or there's a childlike wonder to like creation that you're drawn to or is just like, uh, ah, it's fun, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, yeah. Well I think a lot of it is honestly like trying to, a lot of it is like working out things about my own childhood through fiction and yeah, like, and like learning, like, you know, writing and then kind of reading something and being and understanding uh, maybe certain things about my childhood that I, I don't know, just from experience kind of like didn't, wasn't really seeing, but I'm now seeing from maybe like a, a fiction perspective, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but it's more so like a, a catharsis, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was it, uh, hopefully it's not too personal, but what, is there something like, what would, what would be an example of something maybe you're trying to work out from childhood, I guess? Yeah. Was it, um, did well, you have, yeah. Well, in all of my stories that I've written, grief appears. I mean, my dad passed away when I was in high school. So that, oh. um, that shows up a that like grief shows up a lot in the, my writing and it's very therapeutic to to write about things like that mm. yeah yeah and do you write it in a from a uh it sounds like you're writing like fiction so you're writing through different characters right there you're not writing autobiographical uh, like non-fiction I mean. yeah not, not autobiographical right correct however i did recently write um a story that is pretty heavily autobiographical um it was about my taekwondo teacher when i was a kid um <laughs> so to uh briefly summarize my i had taekwondo as a kid and my um i'm not gonna say his name but my the <laughs> grandmaster of my studio he was a super nice guy and he was very inspirational to all of us as kids um but he he ended up doing something very illegal and like pulling a weapon on somebody and there were a lot of Ooh. legal issues and so just kind of uh the story was about like you know what do you do with this with this guy who like really is like an inspiration to all of these kids but is also you know uh <laughs> bearing arms in public <laughs> you know so uh so that's what one of the stories that I'm 
I think going to submit to programs is about. Um, and through that story, I've kind of like talked about a little bit about my childhood and whatnot, but yeah. Mm. Isn't it a little ironic, or not ironic, but someone who's like the grandmaster in Taekwondo, you know, aren't like weaponless combat would bring <laughs> arms to like a, a conflict. Well, I mean, a lot of these people also have bad tempers. So I think his temper yeah. got the best of him. But he, I think he is a good dude. Just didn't make the right decision at that time. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I think Dan and I, we both done martial arts. And, and I know I've come across it. Like having a black belt doesn't mean you have a black belt in life. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Just, just having mm -hmm. a black belt in a martial art. I mean, I think you, there's a lot of character building elements to martial arts. That's why I do it. But like, there's, it doesn't mean that you're, that you're finally a sensei in like, you know, um, how, how you, how you should live your life, I guess. There's some black belts who are like, white belt Cobra Kai. you're talking about cobra kai oh yeah like cobra yeah. kai like yeah yeah that guy's not so good at life but he can yeah. kick butt you know okay, yeah. yeah so did you start jujitsu when you were in japan or did you had you already had a background in it uh yeah for my i do brazilian jujitsu i started brazilian jujitsu back like in college years ago i start. i took a class oh. for like semester and I was like, oh, this is cool. But like my background was in karate and, and stand-up fighting. So I didn't take mm -hmm. it too seriously. I did recognize like, okay, I can see how this is super helpful in the fight if it goes to the ground. But then I took a break from that for years. Then I had like skin issues with like psoriasis. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I went back to jujitsu in the States uh, just before the pandemic. I was doing it for like a, a year and a half or so. I did judo as well. And um Ooh yeah throwing people pandemic, on the ground yeah throwing people on the ground so i did judo judo uh for a year and a half and before that i started uh, jujitsu again and so i was doing them you know like uh fairly regularly but then the pandemic hit and i was like okay yeah i can't be rolling with dudes on the ground during the pandemic you know like <laughs> but uh yeah i and so uh, do you, did you did you practice any martial arts at all um after Other that after that yeah yeah. Other than Taekwondo, yeah. Uh, after that, no. In, I unfortunately, yeah. I've I've been interested in jujitsu. Maybe. Um, uh, I was actually. I mean, not like a martial. This is not a martial art, but I was interested in doing kudo when I was in Japan. Oh, but I didn't oh end yeah, up doing yeah, that's it. a martial art. Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, I didn't end yeah, up doing yeah. it, and so I'm I'm super sad. Um, because climbing just kind of you know took over, chews up all my time, but. You can still find a kudo place in in LA. Um, yeah, I'm, Pasadena yeah. had one. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, I'd, I would love to get involved in kudo. It's very expensive, but it'd be cool. <laughs> it is, um, but you know what? It might be kind of boring at the very beginning. I went to one kudo class at the Pasadena Japan Cultural Center, mm -hmm. and it's just standing, <laughs> a lot of standing, <laughs> a lot of ceremony, and yeah. then you don't, yeah. don't get to touch a bow for a long time. Right, it's like you yeah. have to walk with your right foot first into the dojo, and like, yeah, yeah, there's stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but it looks it's, cool though. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, James, I'm sure you've like noticed differences, like practicing jujitsu in Japan versus like in the states, right? Like, it's very different, like how the Japanese approach um, everything, everything, like <laughs> hobbies specifically, and it's very admirable. Like they. 
they are so driven with the, they usually have like one hobby and they are like ride or die with that one right hobby and so committed I, I think you notice that in the school clubs too like I know my high school clubs mm-hmm. like like it's if you're in one club that's taking up more than enough of your time like 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 mm-hmm. the, like those keto club kids like every day practicing or the the uh, fencing club but uh, we have a fencing so like but like in the states we'd be like oh yeah I'm in like three or four clubs right and like mm-hmm. when I was in high school I'm in three or four clubs but if you say that in Japan they'd be like wait, are you dead? Like, how, how can you do three or four clubs? That's ridiculous because they're so right. focused. Like if you're in one club, okay, single focus, get that shit done. So was, you know, right? was climbing then different in Japan where you like doing drills of like, I'm, I'm going to practice grip first. And then you get to like 15 minutes, like if you have an hour practice, 45 minutes of drills and then 15 minutes of actual climbing. It's, it's very different, the whole climbing culture in Japan versus the U.S. Um, so first of all, like uh, in Japan, it's just a lot harder. Like the routes are set much uh, in a much more difficult way than in the U.S. Um, in the U.S., gyms tend to have some easier routes just because they mm-hmm. don't want newcomers to be discouraged and then just go, oh, I'm not going to do this. They want everyone to. But in Japan, like things that would be routes that would be considered like kind of like middle level um in the u.s were like beginner in japan and i'm i'm pretty like in the middle uh still kind of like maybe like novice kind of level i guess so that was an adjustment but they also have such like a like in the u.s you can kind of like muscle through a lot of climbs but in japan it's very technique oriented so i learned a lot of um pointers in regard to technique um Mm. and they have just like a a much more pragmatic approach to climbing like it's not I think in the U.S. it can be there are some people who can be a bit egotistical about it and you kind of feel that in the gym but in Japan it's very like quiet no one's really like no one's really arrogant you don't feel Mm. that from anybody in the gyms which was really nice um and it was actually the place where I really got to practice my Japanese the most because I wasn't at school and like I had to engage with these people in Japanese and they were super cool to me like the the owner of the gym uh that I went to and his son they would take me to Kyoto sometimes do a climb with them um and I learned a lot from them it was cool that's great that's awesome cool yeah so uh yeah right now we're coming almost hour and a half ish but uh yeah uh i guess a major lessons from coming coming back to the states uh any any life lessons new perspectives that you've gained you you mentioned how everyone everyone should you know try living in a different country like um with a different culture yeah any any kind of um any new perspectives that you've gained from your experiences recently? Honestly, I mean, we were talking about the things that I miss in Japan, but the thing that I probably miss most in Japan is the way that they're able to, I think, appreciate the little things in a way that we're not really used to here. Like for instance, like if the, if certain flowers are in bloom, then like your weekends are going to be like, oh, going to see, I don't know, the cherry blossoms or you're going to go see like the, I don't know, whatever kinds of flowers are blooming at the time. Um, 
and like there's i think in nara right now there's like a wind chime festival going on there was a lantern festival recently mm. and like those kinds of things i miss so much and so i'm trying to like i think um appreciate the little things especially with regard to nature a bit more um from my experience in japan um because even though they have such like a brutal work culture they still do i think find a way to ap appreciate like you know basic things like food and and nature and um things that i really want to uh keep in mind especially with like the hustle and bustle of southern california so mm. uh so that's probably my biggest takeaway but also that everybody mm. should travel abroad and, and live abroad i think for an extended period of time yeah yeah, I definitely it's a humbling experience you would say yeah definitely <laughs> like going to another place and not being able to speak any of the language is very humbling so I mm. have I'm so much more understanding and sympathetic for people who come here and they don't know much English so I want to help yeah. them so much more now awesome cool cool well yeah we're looking forward to like uh, checking out you know, uh, do you publish anything or you just write for yourself right now? Like, where can people find your work or, yeah. Well, right now, um, right now I haven't published anything, but I would love to, like, maybe like after I do a program, like I would love to publish something. Um, yeah. So I will, you know, update the Instagram page, et cetera. Um, but yeah. I'll Have you thought about posters. writing like for one of those one of those like uh, starting a medium account or uh have a, your own blog or anything like that uh not not yet um just because uh i don't know i don't know maybe <laughs> but not i'm not having decided I, I'm, I'm not i'm just you know just saying I, you don't have to you don't have to yeah 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 mm, just for me right now so, hey that's awesome yeah yeah i i um it sounds like if anything, it's therapeutic, right? And that's that's a plus. That's a big plus. Yeah. 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 I feel like in my time in Japan, like I really had to think a lot about uh about what writing means to me and my relationship to it because I just didn't have a lot of time to write when I was there. And I just I really just wanted to get better for myself and not mm. more so for me than for other people, I guess. Yeah. I, th I think if anything, that's probably what keeps it going, right? Maybe it's like for if if you write for others or to for a paycheck, maybe mm -hmm. that it that doesn't have as much longevity. Possibly, I I know. Right. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So let's. So uh, thank you. Let, thank you for having yeah, me on. Yeah. Thank you. Ho hopefully, this was. Uh, this was fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Very fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, definitely. So we end with something called uh, Language Corner. Yay, Language Corner. So, woo. Woo. So basically, <laughs> any any phrases or anything that you learn, like any, any like, greetings or things that you learned in Japan or, or just uh, any, any sort of language thing that you want to share or cultural thing. I, I can go first. Um, I, I learned a phrase recently in Mandarin called huai tai bu yu, uh, which means huai tai means like um, like a hidden talent. Bu yu means uh, not, uh, not meeting. 
So it literally means um, to have a talent, but no opportunity. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting oh. phrase. Yeah. So it's like someone's like a hidden talent. Like maybe there's maybe there's uh, someone who like, uh, for example, I read about this guy who had like thousands of pictures that uh, that he had printed, but th they found them after he passed away. And they're like really nice photos, right? So I guess he had the talent for photography, but he never had the opportunity to display it somewhere or like in a museum or something like that. So like, why type you? Anyways, that's my cultural hmm. word phrase for today. Uh, Sam or Dan? Uh, Dan, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, I usually do a vocabulary word. Mine is jutai. Jutai is traffic. The word for traffic in Japanese. Jutai. Oh, okay. Jutai. Oh. I don't Jew even know the... how to break that down. Oh, okay. I have no idea. I could probably look it up later, but yeah. Sam? So yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mine's pretty basic, but whenever people ask what my favorite Japanese word is, it's shogunai. Just <laughs> shogunai. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, yeah. Um, my. I had a roommate, he used to say no ginger. I was like, no ginger. He goes, shogunai, because the <laughs> word for ginger is shoga, and then nai is no no ginger. So like, no, oh, ginger. No. no that's ginger. funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No ginger. That's so just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. I uh yeah. Shogunai. it's interesting. Cause I think that's also part of like the Japanese philosophy of like shit happens, right? Like, oh yeah, thing, you know, like something bad happens for you know in some situations i think yeah shogunai really like it's perfect for that situation yeah mm -hmm. yeah like um okay there's a typhoon that's coming life. <laughs> that's life shogunai you know, like, shogunai, <laughs> shogunai. Well, typhoon come yeah 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 what do you want us to, nothing you can do about it <laughs> awesome. a great word okay yeah yeah definitely all right well thank you all very right, much well, thanks so much for yeah, Thanks thank so you much. so much. All right. It was, it was good Sign to meet up. you, Dan. Nice meeting you. <laughs> it's all right.